Welcome back to the PropTech Insider. Today we're joined by Roz Pagurtha. Roz leads up employee experience for the whole domain group, overseeing over 700 people across multiple divisions and multiple cities. Roz has a unique insight over a long career of understanding how to effectively implement change into businesses, not only inside of one office, but also across multiple cities, multiple people, and multiple partners, and implementing change in a constantly evolving environment and high growth business such as Domain. Well, Roz, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Angus. We're going to have a great conversation today, mostly based around, obviously we talk a lot on this podcast around technology and right, what the right solution is for people when to scale the business or go that extra step. One of the hardest things that all the business owners face is actually motivating their people and getting them aligned in order to make the change possible. And not only to make the change possible, but to actually keep it sticky and keep it in a new momentum or new direction for that business owner to get the uplift on the scalability of whatever system it is. So I guess just to kick things off is, what are the insights that you've seen in how we can effectively implement change with our people? People don't change automatically and they won't change just because you tell them to change. You've actually got to give them a why. So what's the rationale and what's the reason why behind your driving the change? The other thing that people do is they want to have an element of control in their life. And so if they feel that the change is being done to them, they will push back and be really resistant to the change. Whereas if you can actually take people on the process of the journey as to why you go through a process of the change, you'll find that it's a much more stickier uh, piece of work. For example, you decide to buy a new system and you turn up one day and you say to your team, hey, we're changing from system A to system B. And they'll be like, okay, but I prefer system A. I'm used to system A. I'm comfortable with system A. I want to play with system A. I don't like system B. It's a different color. It's for whatever reason, they just won't like it. So the, the best way to drive that through is to say, you know what? System A isn't meeting our requirements because it doesn't have a good user experience. It doesn't deliver the business outcomes. We've changed our business strategy, whatever the reason why is, so drive the why. And then you can say, hey, system B, these are all the things it does. It's got a much better user experience for you. There's less manual tasks, whatever the why is behind it. And so what we'd really like you to do, say 10 of you, put your hand up and um, be our testers and play with this system for a little while. And they go, oh, yeah, it's a much better system. And then they start talking about why B is a better system to A. And then that drives a bit of like what we call FOMO. So you say, hmm, I want to actually play with system B as well because it sounds like system B is much better. So it's about bringing people into the conversation and not just sort of dumping on them. So that's one one way to do it. Yep. I think the other way in terms of making it sticky is that if people don't understand the complexities or the the business reasons as to why you're doing something. And the and what that means is, I guess, in terms of if you want to drive, say, a much better a customer outcome, you want really good technology for your customers. But at the same time, if you're not treating your internal employees the same way and giving them really good tech, then they, they're not going to actually have the same response to technology. So if they're trying to sell technology out, now, I'll be honest, we've got a little bit of this in domain at the moment, if I'm going to be you know, really frank and share here, we do need to look at our internal technology and we we are not treating our internal employees like customers in the sense of you should actually be driving for the best customer outcome, whether that's an internal customer or an external customer. And a lot of organisations don't treat their internal employees as customers and they should be customers because they should have the same user experience. 
So the other reason why people don't like tech internally is they're genuinely not as good on the user experience. And we have that at Domain. I've had many conversations about it with our product designers. Um, and they're like, your system's awful. And that's, and it is. It, because ultimately, businesses haven't put the same level of emphasis on their internal systems as the way they've done their external systems. Yeah, and I, I think, and I relate it to you and Jason have done a really good job in terms of setting up the vision for we're moving from a digital classifieds business into a marketplace strategy and then how do we align behind that and make sure that people understand the vision and the why. Mm. What are some of the things, so we've set people up, we've got them excited about something that we're thinking about doing. Yep. How do you set up measure success for actually, and what's some of the framework that you would suggest putting in place for real estate agents? In terms of the success of, of the take-up of tech? Yeah, and measuring, and just measuring like, are people coming on the journey with us right now, or are they still stuck at the, the start line? Yeah, okay. So there's a few different ways you can measure success in that sense. The first and, and foremost is I would always try and encourage to do some sort of baseline to say this is where we're at today, and therefore you know you've got something to measure against. So whether that's a simple survey, and it doesn't need to be some whiz-bang tool, you can do one through a Google Sheet or Survey Monkey, and you can ask questions to say, how happy are you with the current system? How much time does it take you to do um, X number of tasks quantified each week? So one of the measures of success is if you're going to put in a tech, new tech system is it should try and drive some efficiencies, not for necessarily people to you know not be employed anymore. It's not about that sort of automation back in the day where you put a new thing in the factory and everyone loses their job. It's not actually about that. It's actually about ultimately driving that, that productivity. So if you can save minutes of someone's time, you will give massive productivity uplift to the organisation. So again, if you think about you have to go into a system and approve leave. And if it takes you five clicks to approve leave and you get it down to one click, then you've saved time and that's a, that's a measure of success. So one measure of success is trying to make things more efficient and more streamlined. And also asking the question, why does someone have to say, for example, approve leave? Mm. So we had this debate and we've finally sort of removed the annual leave approvals with the blessing of the auditors, which has meant that managers do not have to go into the system as often to approve leave, which is a, a saving. So that's, for me, that's a measure of success. Another measure of success is how often they go in and use those pieces of, of technology. So you need to find some way of measuring um, how often someone goes in. Yep. The other measure of success, which is a very sort of basic one, is how much noise does your system create? If you hear nothing, that is a measure of success. <laughs> If people are cranky about it and they talk about it and it's in the corridor conversations, then it's, you haven't been a success. And, and if we think about um, any kind of change, whether it be technology or not, generally what we see with a lot of our customers is you get 70% of them are quick to adopt and they come on the journey, they buy the why and they're off to the races. And then you've got the 30% that are the stragglers. What would be some of the coaching tips for a manager, a sales manager, let's say, as an example, mm -hmm. to actually sit down and re-educate and bring, get those people back aligned, particularly with a lot of our customers, and I'll frame it up to give you a bit more insight, is that a lot of our customers over the last eight months have experienced a huge amount of change inside of their business, which has made them a lot faster at what they want to do, but it's also really put them in a pressure cooker to say, culturally, are we set up the right way? Or do we want to actually be over here and align our values and change things? Like Cunningham's is a great example of that. What would be your kind of tips for those 30% of the stragglers? There's genuinely real detractors 
when you put in a new system or make a change. And you'll find that out of those people, there will be a portion that you'll be able to move and there'll be a portion that you won't be able to move. So let's talk about the two different categories. Yep. So if you think about it from the perspective of you've got really favourable people who are the early adopters, they're off and running. Then you actually have the middle group who are a little bit slower but ultimately end up there. And then you have this bottom group. And the bottom group, let's split them into two. So there's the, the top half of that, which are people who are, hmm, yeah, they're just a little bit sceptical and they're real kind of sticklers for, for the past. And so the best way to help change those people is, again, I don't think it's necessarily there's – a, there's a leader and manager conversation, but actually peer-to-peer conversations and peer-to-peer pressure, for want of a better word, is actually really useful in those instances. So find the person in that detractor group who is the loudest voice, the most annoying on one level, and then try and actually then sit with that person because if you change that person, then you've got a much better chance of changing the people around them because they're the key influencers. So what organisations don't necessarily understand, whether they've got 10 people in the organisation or they've got 100, is that just because you have a title doesn't actually make you a very, doesn't necessarily make you an influential person. There's actually people within the cohort who are quite influential. You target them. So you find them and then you sit with them and, and you talk to them and you understand and you seek to understand why it's why they're not picking stuff up and why they don't want to do it. And then if you can change their mindset, then the people around them will, will almost automatically change because if, if Sally moves, then they all move. So that's kind of the top group. Then there's the bottom group. Very rarely, very hard to change, unlikely to move. Organisations have to make a choice then. Are they going to spend a lot of time and effort on that last 5% or are they going to focus on their 95%? And it, it also comes down to really thinking through how you hire people because mm-hmm. if you actually want an organisation that is much more adaptable and much willing to, much more, you know, willing to change all the time and, and, and move at pace, then there might actually be a group of people that are no longer the right types of people for your organisation. doesn't mean they're bad people. They're just not the right type of people and therefore you should be having the right conversation with them to say, unfortunately, you no longer seem to be who we need in our business and for that le- reason let's have an adult conversation about exiting you in the right way within a respectful way it's the round peg square hole conversation as I call it because if you spend all your time on those five percent then the other 95 are not going to get the attention they need and it's actually the other 95 you should be focused on yeah we, we spoke to a customer the other day who was saying that um he had a million dollar rider and then he had two others that were riding kind of 200 grand but the actual person who wouldn't, who was holding back everyone else from actually excelling and going to that next level was the million dollar rider. Yep. So they had to make a really tough decision to remove that person. And with it, the, the actual revenue that they bring in, which it was a million dollars, a lot of money for these guys. But it, it's actually had a huge positive effect for the other people inside of that organization to sit them up and bring them to the next level. And I would imagine that the, the rest of those people who were left, for want of a better word, staying potentially lifted yep. and then actually over time you'll get that million dollars back because you're actually empowering and enabling the cohort. It's a bit like I was having a conversation with someone the other day about the All Blacks, yep. right? They are a very effective team and they have a very effective team culture and one of the, and one of the things that they do really well is they work as a group and they function as a group and you don't really get the sense that there's this one person who's at 
the, the, the top of the tree. Yep. Um, and everyone just always feels incredibly blessed to be part of the All Blacks. So there's got to be something in there, you know, secret source in terms of how they actually run that team because they're a very successful team. And sharing the success across everyone. Yep. One of the other things that we've seen a lot of inside of the real estate companies, and we're having this conversation with a few of the other thought leaders who have been on the on the podcast, is we're moving into a hybrid environment. We're already there, the yep. domain. And one of the hardest things is how do we make sure that people feel a part of a bigger picture and a part of a culture, but in a virtual world? when they're not necessarily sitting in an office, but how do you replicate that online? When we went through the whole change, how have you kind of helped to instill that in in our people? So you ultimately have to maintain connection. So the culture is about how people connect and how people come together. And you need to think about how you can do that in a different way, obviously from an online perspective. We're incredibly fortunate that we have a really good office experience team who do a lot of great work behind the scenes to, to keep people connected. The other thing I think is that from a leadership perspective, it's twice as hard to manage, I think, a hybrid team. And you have to recognise and acknowledge that it's twice as hard. And you have to recognise and acknowledge that you have to put in sort of extra work. And what people actually want, whether they're in the office with you or, or not, is that ability to feel like their manager cares about them that they ask the right questions, they talk about stuff that's human outside of just sort of task-related activities. Yep. So it is really about continuing to drive the right conversations as, as leaders and managers and not always, in every meeting, not always having a long list of tasks. It's just, how are you? How have you been today? Oh, there's a child in the background. You know, how you, how you develop that kind of interpersonal relationship, that's, that's ultimately what brings the culture out. We spend most of our time going to work every day, not necessarily doing things on the weekends. So you yeah, want to rock right. up and you want to be happy every day. That's right. So we have uh, two questions and we're coming towards the end of it that we always ask everyone when they come on the PropTech Insider. And I, I'm interested to hear your responses on these. <laughs> is, uh, the first one is, what's your definition of success for you personally? So for me, a personal, my personal success story is I'm not going to wake up one day and go, oh my God, I'm the best HR director ever. Like it's not, it's not actually about that. So success, my measure of success is, have I been a really good person? Have I maintained my level of integrity and ethics in terms of how I operate? Mm-hmm. Have I been the best person I can be today, this week, this year? And would I be willing to have, say, my mother give me feedback on on how I've how I've been. So there's that real human element for me. Yep. The other piece of success I guess is if I think about what I've done over the last few years at Domain, I feel like I've delivered a lot of really interesting work and so the ability to be challenged and do interesting work and and deliver on those things is actually also my measure of success. So standing still for me is not something I like to do. And it's really interesting that we're having a conversation about change because my, my, my top strengths are adaptable, flexible, and ability to change. So that, that ability to keep changing and keep doing different stuff is my measure of success. Yeah, and I think that you've, you've done a terrific job with the culture in domain, so well done. Um, and the final question is, um, tell us one thing that you got to start, stop, and continue. 
Okay. So you may not know, but I've been moonlighting as the acting chief marketing officer. I did know that. Yeah. So I'm going to stop being the marketing officer on the 7th (laughs) of February. And I think the domain business is going to be quite happy about that. I think the one thing that I need to continue is I need to continue to keep challenging the executives of domain to maintain a level of excellence, but also for us to keep driving the, the, you know, the business forward and doing the right thing by the people. Because if you do the right thing by the people, um, then the people will come with you and they will deliver your success. Without people, we don't have a business. And so that's what I'm going to continue in terms of, and I'm going to stop being a marketing person and I'm going to start, what I would really like to start is to actually spend a little bit more time on my sustainability portfolio because I genuinely believe from a, both an investor, a customer, but also an employee perspective, being a good corporate citizen in terms of looking at the environment, social governance aspect of my portfolio or my, my job, I haven't done as much of that this year as I could have. So I need to start doing more of that. Awesome. Well, Roz, thank you for your time and your insights. No worries. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Angus, for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of PropTech Insider. If you'd like to learn more about our topic today, visit agentsolutions.com.au. If you enjoyed this topic and you want to hear more about exciting content that we have in store, please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast app you use. See you next time.